Hey tribe, this is Matt with a special message. Our host Rose has laryngitis and asked me to record this. Our guest on this week's podcast is Ashley D. Wells from the 4th Trimester Bodies Project. On Monday, February 19th, the day of this episode's release, Ashley's surviving twin, Nova, is having brain surgery. On behalf of the Thrive Tribe 419 podcast, we'd like to extend our most heartfelt offering of love, prayers, Reiki, Juju, Mojo, and whatever else our listeners can conjure for Ashley, Nova, and their family. Please visit the 4th Trimester Bodies Project on Facebook or Instagram and let them know Thrive Tribe 419 listeners are thinking of them during this difficult time. We wish Nova a successful surgery and a peaceful recovery. You're listening to episode 31 of the Thrive Tribe 419 podcast, All Bodies Are Beautiful, with Ashley Wells from the 4th Trimester Bodies Project. Prosper, flourish, bloom with your people, your close-knit group, your clan, straight out of area code 419 with the most cutting-edge, controversial, and enlightening information from the most knowledgeable experts in everything, mind, body, and soul. Welcome to the Thrive Tribe 419 Podcast. I'm your host, Rose Hollow. Hello, Tribe. I am so excited to bring you Ashley Wells. Ashley and I met in Chicago at a Birth Without Fear meetup. Um, about three years ago, and um, I believe she or, or her business partner may have done EFT with my husband, Matt. But anyway, I remember listening to her story and talking with her and being um, very moved by her story and by her fourth trimester bodies photo documentary project. And um, when I started doing this podcast, I thought, who would be some of the people that I would really, really like to introduce my listeners to um, that are not from the 419? And Ashley was right up there on the list as one that I just had to reach out to and ask. So here she is. I hope that you all enjoy her. And just for a little uh, background on Ashley, she is an internationally acclaimed photographer a published author, producer, feminist, and storyteller currently calling Chicago home. She's mama to Xavier, 11, and identical twin daughters Nova, who is four, and Aurora, who was stillborn due to twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. She's an advocate for visibility in differing abilities and shattering the stigmas surrounding peri- and postnatal loss. As a queer co-parent with a blended family, she also believes in the need to talk about how different modern families function. In addition to her commercial and lifestyle photography work, Ashley is a founder of the 4th Trimester Bodies Project and Babes with the Power podcast and is always excited to share her message of positivity and self-love. Now, I know that she is actually taking a break from her Babes with the Power podcast at this time, but I do suggest listening to that if you um, are looking for something other than my podcast to listen to. Check it out. She's got a few uh, really cool interviews, and I learned a little bit, um, actually a lot, about intersectional uh, feminism, which I really didn't even know what that meant until I listened to her podcast. So I suggest going and checking that out if you listen to this interview and you feel inspired to learn more. 
Now, in my interview with Ashley, we talked about a few things that I know are a bit controversial for Northwest Ohio. Um, So first of all, we talked about how she's thriving and how she's taking care of herself. She gives us the um, quick version of her story um, about motherhood and her journey to the fourth trimester bodies project. She talks a little bit about the new phase of her project, including the intersectional feminism stuff that um, I'm learning about, and maybe some of you are too, and what that is all about. She also talks about when she began identifying as a queer person and her experience coming out, which actually um, wasn't really an experience of coming out. It was more of a realization by others that she was queer. Um, So we're talking about that a little bit in this podcast. And she is also um, talking about how she's raising her kids in a gender-neutral fashion and how her her child, Nova, one of her twins, is doing. Um, She has some special needs and is um, medically fragile and she's um sharing her experience on what being a special needs mom looks like for her and how she's caring for herself and for her children so this was a really great interview i have to warn you there is um one explicit word in there which i think was very appropriately placed and um i really hope you enjoy this this i think ashley is such a fascinating person But before we get started, you guys knew I was going to read a little bit of news, right? So we have this holistic health fair coming up that is being organized by this podcast. It's going to be on Saturday, April 14th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. at St. John UCC at 950 Webster Street here in Defiance, Ohio on the Defiance College campus. And the presentations at this time include a book reading by Sherry Stampa Stanley on um, her badass book. And um, we're going to have a presentation on emotional freedom techniques, cooking real food, non-toxic cleaner DIY, low inflammation diet and how to read labels, hypothalamus reset, and more. Um, Each one of these presentations costs $5 cash at the door per person, except for our kickoff with Sherry Stampa Stanley, the author. So if you'd like to attend that little um, introductory reading, that is completely free. And access to the fair floor is completely free. Uh, some of the people that we're having there are, and, and businesses are going to be, um, Lynn Heitmeyer from Immaculate Marriages, Lucy Coppice, who is a health coach, um, Sherry Stanfa Stanley is going to be selling her book. Uh, we're going to have my husband, Matt Hollow doing EFT, um, Dr. Jenny Flaghar from Flagmed, which is opening, um, in the, Perrysburg area, and she's an integrative doctor. Um, Ashley Short, who is a pregnancy and birth photographer and a doula. 
Stacy Stevens, who's a health coach, Danielle Small with her business Naturally Simplified, Catherine Brown, um, she has Mrs. Brown's Homemade Soaps from Bryan, Ohio, so that'll be kind of fun. Um, Brooke Gordon from Beetroot, she's going to be talking about healing with Whole Foods. We are going to have Alica Bassett, who is a naturopathic doctor from Bassett's Health Food Store in Toledo. Um, Crossroads Kombucha is going to be there. Defiance Therapeutic Massage and Wellness is going to be there. And I believe we're going to have a chiropractor there as well. Um, also on the books is a yoga instructor. Oh yes, I can't forget the Weston A. Price Foundation, the Toledo chapter, and the church where we're having this event will be offering equal exchange, fair trade, coffee, and tea. So again, mark your calendars for Saturday, April 14th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. at St. John UCC Church on the Defiance College campus. Doors open at 10 a.m. It is free to enter. It is $5 cash per person per presentation throughout the day. You will not want to miss it. If you like this podcast, you will love this health fair. Hello, Ashley. Thank you for being here today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So, Ashley, I would like you to tell us, this is the first question that I ask everyone on our podcast. How are you thriving? So how are you taking care of your mind, body, or soul? Um, Yeah, so I think that I'm thriving by living my best life, as cliche as that may sound, Um, doing the work that I love to do, surrounding myself with positive people who I adore and who adore me back, um, as well as some folks that I adore who challenge me. Um, I think that that makes me feel grounded and expansive all at the same time, so Um, As a photographer, I get to travel a lot, which always feels refreshing, Um, and then just have a lot of really positive, creative, intentional folks in my life um, that helps as well. Awesome. And I'd love it if you can give us the quick story behind your motherhood journey and how Fourth Trimester Bodies Project got started. Yeah, it's not the quickest story, but I will do my best. I know. <laughs> to give you the quick notes version. Um, I it's am, fascinating, though. Sure. I am mother to Xavier, who is 12, and Nova, who is 5. And um, Nova is a surviving twin. Aurora um, was stillborn due to complications from twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome in 2012. Um, I thought going into motherhood and parenting that I would have these well-prepared for pregnancies and births. I had hoped to birth at home and do things in a more naturally-minded way. Um, My children, however, have had other plans. Um, and they decided to all come fast and furiously. Um, Xavier was born very quickly at either 28 or 32 weeks gestation. We aren't sure where dates were, um, with him exactly. Uh, he thankfully had a short ish NICU stay and is happy and healthy. And we had a great breastfeeding journey. Um, so things with him, even though they were unexpected, were pretty awesome. I felt like I, um, very strong, capable, empowered person on the other side of um, becoming his mother. Mm -hmm. 
six and a half years later, decided to do it again um, because I got pregnant again, a little bit unexpectedly. And, um, you know, met with midwives, had the same sort of plan. Let's watch things. You know, it was probably a fluke. I was great and he was great when, um, when he was born. So everybody thought it was just one of those things that happened as it sometimes does. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything was going great with my next pregnancy, unfortunately, until it wasn't. At about 15 weeks, I learned that I was pregnant with twins, um, which meant that I automatically risked out of my midwife's care, which was fine. Um, but we were in a little bit of a holding pattern between trying to find an OB and decide what we wanted to do. Um, had an ultrasound, everything looked great. And then unfortunately, about 10 days later, I learned that my twins had twin to twin transfusion syndrome, um, which is a very serious placental disorder that affects primarily identical twins. Um, We were watching that, but within 10 days, they went from doing okay to dying and we had to take uh, immediate action. We were rushed hours away to a hospital, had surgery um, that was successful, but Aurora passed away within 24 hours. And um, that was right around 20 weeks. And we had hopes that the rest of the pregnancy may stabilize and normalize, but it never did. And I um, went into labor that wasn't able to be stopped at 24 weeks due to a massive E. coli infection in my um, placenta and uterus um, that was also affecting Nova. So I had to deliver via emergency cesarean. Nova spent 100 days in NICU and developed hydrocephalus due to a brain bleed their first week of life, um, which has, they've defied all of the odds set before them and are thriving and walking and talking and doing all of the things um, that we were told wouldn't um, Mm -hmm. ever happen for them. Um, Awesome. But but they're doing great. Um, The process for me as one could imagine, though, was life-changing, probably in every way possible, Uh, aside from dealing with the grief of losing a child and a very scary NICU stay. um, My body really felt like it failed me. Having to deliver by cesarean shook me. Um, Then my cesarean didn't heal properly and had to be reopened and heal open, which is a very long and agonizing and kind of gruesome process. I can't imagine. I feel like postpartum Just with a vaginal birth is such a hard thing and having an abdominal surgery to heal from or two Mm -hmm. abdominal procedures would be so difficult, especially with a child in the NICU. Absolutely. Yeah. I was, I was going to say it's, it's hard and they tell you to rest, you know, don't move this way. Don't don't drive. But when you have a baby in the hospital, you have to be there and you have to be sitting and standing and attending to their needs rather than your own, um, which makes that more difficult. So the other side of my journey, I found myself in a pretty dark place personally. Um, We had friends and family members scatter because we had a dead baby and they didn't want it. They didn't know how to deal with a sick baby on top of it. And I felt like I was being stigmatized and shunned and silenced by a lot of communities that I thought had supported me. Um, And I realized the importance of sharing our stories, which is a lot of what led me to begin Fourth Trimester Bodies Project. So it's kind of twofold, that storytelling element of saying your truth 
in a space that is safe and supportive, no matter what. Um, and then seeing it, showing what our bodies actually look like as we grow and develop and change and experience things. Um, you know, we've come a long way, I would say, in the past five years since fourth trimester bodies was started. Um, but for the longest time, we have generations where pregnancy and particularly postpartum was hidden. And if we saw photos of women's bodies, it was, you know, the glossy magazine covers, photoshopped showing how celebrities had, you know, gotten back into their bikinis six weeks after having a baby, um, which is just not realistic. So I right. want a space where you could see images um, that weren't just, or the alternative was, you know, Googling cesarean, Googling stretch marks and seeing kind of grotesque medical images, um, which also wasn't helpful. You know, it was a picture, but it wasn't anything that um, one would want to identify or that would feel upsetting. Um, so I really wanted to create this, this space where the images were relatable, but also beautiful. People could say, oh my gosh, that looks like my body. That looks like me. That's my story too, and really create this community. So, about five years ago, um, five months after Nova from NICU, I took a self portrait and published that online. And at that point, really just kind of asked who wanted to join me. Um, I've been very lucky that our community has been very supportive, and I've been able to continue doing this work, traveling and sharing stories and photographs of parents um, for this long. Hi, my name is Lynn Heitmeyer. My company is Immaculate Marriages and based in Defiance, Ohio. I am an ordained marriage officiant licensed by the American Marriage Ministries. Immaculate Marriages is a unique opportunity for couples of any race, gender, faith-based, or secular beliefs to unite in a beautiful, lawful ceremony. My goal is to provide a beautiful wedding ceremony designed for each couple's unique personality and desires. I will work with the couple to design the ceremony according to their needs. For the wedding ceremony of your dreams, please find me on Facebook at Immaculate Marriages or text me at 419-439-0742. Again, text me at 419 419- Four three nine zero seven four two. I look forward to providing you with beautiful lifetime memories. I know that you have taken a deeper interest in the intersectional feminism um, topic. Can you tell me how your project is now evolving and about intersectional feminism and how you're um, trying to include that? Yeah, absolutely. So I've always been a feminist. Um, I don't know that I shouted about that previously as much as I do now, um, because I guess I thought that it was understood, right? Like this movement for me is political because it's challenging so right. many societal norms. Um, so that is a lot of what feminism is and means to me. So when I, you know, kind of came out as an intersectional feminist and a handful of folks that follow us on Facebook or Instagram were, you know, outraged or didn't see the value in that, um, you know, I kind of mm. had to laugh because I, you know, for me, what else, what else is this? Um, mm -hmm. Art is very often political and powerful and that's why we create it. Um, right. Intersectional feminism beyond, you know, what a lot of people understand feminism to be just really seeks to amplify the voices of marginalized people 
and, you know, make sure that we're not just creating a space or working towards ideals that, you know, level the field for, you know, white women or wealthy women or women of a certain class or education, um, socioeconomic status, but all people. Um, and so that's been, been really important to me, um, not only amplifying the voices and using our space to showcase the stories of, you know, black and brown women, but um, all people that are parents. Um, I'm a queer Mm -hmm. person myself. So, um, you know, whether it is, you know, showcasing lesbian families or trans parents, talking about, you know, what those families look like and that their families are as valid and as normal (laughs) Mm -hmm. as the heteronormative ones that we, you know, kind of expect to see in American society. Um, is is really important. So um, we do a lot of political work, a lot of amplification of other movements um, that are doing work pushing forward um, in the same arena. And I think that's that's really important. Um, and it all just ties back to the fact that you know what's personal is political. Um, our art, our movement is is clearly political, and the foundation for that is is very much rooted in intersectional feminism. Hey, it's Matt. Do you suffer from panic attacks? I have three steps to quickly stop panic in its tracks. Using two fingers on your favorite hand, step one, tap seven to ten times on your inner eyebrow. Step two, tap seven to ten times under your eye on the orbital bone. Step three, take that favorite hand and pat your collarbone seven to ten times. Repeat these steps until the panic dissolves. Stop panicking start thriving, go to www.thrivetribe419.com and click on eCourses to schedule a one-on-one session with me today. Very cool. So I know that somewhere along this line, I believe by, between the time that I met you and now, you did start, um, I don't know when you started identifying as queer, but you came out as queer. Um, could you talk about that and your experience with that? Yeah. So I, you know, I think it's funny that you say that and frame it that way, because I've always been queer and I don't feel like I ever had a grand coming out. I think that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, at least a public persona or my project persona, um, you know, we choose what faces to put forward and what things we talk about at certain times. And yeah. um, and I don't want to curse on your podcast, but I'm so I'm trying to think of a better way to say it. Um, <laughs> you can curse on my podcast. That's okay. I can check the little box that says explicit. So it's cool. <laughs> I just stopped giving a fuck really is, is you know, the point that I got to. And, um, you know, because it all is, it's very, it's personal. Um, so, you know, so there wasn't a grand coming out. I've known that I was queer since I was a very little kid. Um, my parents knew it growing up. Um, you know, if I have to slap a label on myself, I would say that I'm pansexual. I've dated all sorts of people in all sorts of different setups, um, you know, monogamously, polyamorously, um, men, women, trans folks, um, you know, folks that are, that are transitioning. Um, I find connection in a, you know, relational way with people, um, on all sorts of planes and I'm attracted to, to people, not to somebody because of, um, you know, what their reproductive organs or their identified gender may be. Um, but it's nothing that, um, I had had frank conversations about, um, Mm -hmm. 
for the first couple of years of the project. And I was joking with somebody recently and I was like, well, nobody asked me. (laughs) They see you working on a project about motherhood and they see that you've birthed children and they just assume that you're this kind of person. Um, So yes, there was no grand coming out for me um, and there wasn't any need to. And I still don't think that there is. Um, I'm an open book if somebody has questions about my life or my family or my relationships and they want to ask them. Um, as long as they're not being a creep about it, I'm happy. To- <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. Um, and, and I feel semi creepy asking questions like that sometimes because honestly, I, I want to know what's going on in the world. I want to be educated about these topics, but I also feel like what happens in someone's bedroom is really none of my business. So I'm, you know, I never know how to broach the subject with someone, but I really am. Um, I honestly do want to be educated so that I can be more inclusive in my own life and what I'm doing with the podcast or, um, you know, just out in the world. So I'm glad that you're talking about this because it is an uncomfortable subject for some. Absolutely. And, you know, I think you said something that a lot of people think was like, you know, it it shouldn't matter to you or, you know, um, that it perhaps is invasive asking about what happens in somebody's bedroom. But, you know, being a queer person isn't just about what happens in the bedroom. Um, It's Mm -hmm. not about sex stuff. It very much is your identity and your life and your community. Um, So I think it's something that's really important to talk about. Um, You know, some people are hetero and cis 100%. Um, but most people aren't. Most people, you know, have some variances in where they fall on the gender spectrum and some variances about where, you know, they fall sexually as well. And I think that having open conversations about that and allowing people to realize that you don't have to fit into one box. Um, and also, if you fit into one box at one part of your life, that doesn't mean that you have to fit in that same box your whole life. Um So, yeah, I think it's important to talk about. And it's something that, again, you know, I have a platform. Um, Most of my readers are hetero people in hetero relationships, in traditional partnerships or marriages. Um, And that's great. But there are plenty of people in our community that are also queer. And again, amplifying those voices, talking about those issues and creating safe spaces amongst a a community um, that typically doesn't offer representation to those folks is is really important. I can see that. I'm I'm just blown away by this whole project and um the road that it's taking and I'm so grateful to be able to watch this happening. Um and like you said, I think art is such a it can be very political and I think that's okay. And I think that, like you said, it it is needed. Um, I was also struck by the fact that you said growing up that your parents were aware of your being queer. And um, now you are raising children. And I've noticed that you do not assign a gender label to Nova. You are referring to your child as um, they. Um And I would like to know more about that, about how you're raising your kids to be more, I don't even know what the right term is, open, um, not maybe not placing their gender on them, but letting them choose. Is that what you're saying? And and how are you going about that? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I think that our family just doesn't subscribe to the gender binary, which in American culture is a, you know, very kind of black and white concept and construct that you are either a girl or a boy. And if you have this genitalia, you are this thing. And if you are this thing, you have these roles and these toys and these clothes and these jobs in this place in the world. Um, And we're just not okay with that because it's not true. It's not scientifically true. It's not biologically true. Um, It's just something that we've kind of made up as a society and got along with. And, um, you know, a lot of folks fall into gray areas and margins. And for a lot of people, it takes the whole of their lives to realize that they aren't the box that they've been pushed into. And it, you know, creates all sorts of issues that, you know, we as a, as a family and, you know, through my project, um, and I think as a generation are just kind of trying to, to change and create more equity and equality within our communities. So when Xavier was a baby, I thought I was doing gender neutral things, which were for me, you know, allowing him to participate in, um, kind of both gender roles. So like, yes, mm-hmm. you're a boy, but you can also enjoy quote unquote girl things and you can choose clothes that are all these colors and, you know, let's, you can have long hair and let's step away from, you know, these ideas. Um, as I've gotten older and especially through the experience of raising Nova, um, who is a very unique human being, um, have seen how much that is still subscribing to the binary itself. You know, you can, being gender neutral is really still saying this is for boys, this is for girls, but you can choose both. Um, Mm -hmm. And so for us, I think it's been important to kind of push towards eliminating those, you know, that binary altogether and saying, you don't have to fit in this box. You can fall anywhere on the spectrum. That spectrum can change and shift and evolve on a daily basis. And you just get to be you Um, And it's definitely something that I think as a parent, you know, has been swirling and evolving in my own mind in my own life. But, um, you know, a lot of it is also just taking Nova's lead. Nova's always had a very androgynous uh, appearance and, um, you know, has chosen to keep their hair short and wears all sorts of different clothes. Um, Mm -hmm. Starting around age three, when they started making these choices for themselves, um, you know, we've, of course, always said, yes, you can wear what you want. It's your hair. You can cut it how you want. Um, and, you know, as a person with disabilities, um, not that we say yes to everything Nova wants because we don't. Um, but you do give a little, I think, more when you have a child who gets a lot of agency and autonomy taken away from them because of a disability in other areas that you can. So it's important for us to support Nova's interests and abilities, um, you know, that we can when we can. Um, So giving them agency and autonomy over their body especially has been really important um, to us. And I'm a fairly cerebral person, so I've read a lot of studies and watched a lot of interviews about, um, you know, gender roles and our treatment of even babies, uh, according to whether we assume they're a boy or a girl. But seeing this play mm-hmm. out in my own life was really startling, you know, if, whether it was in the checkout line at the grocery store or at a doctor's appointment, when somebody would assume Nova was a boy, they would treat Nova a certain kind of way. Mm-hmm. 
when they would assume Nova was a girl or when they looked in the chart and saw that F and said, oh, you're a girl, you know, they would present these words and these choices um, that were entirely different and oftentimes opposite of what had been available to them before. Um, And it's really frustrating to see in front of you how that plays out. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's been more important to be more vocal about the fact that um, we're choosing to parent this way and we're following Nova's lead with these things. And, um, you know, it's not something that the greater world's you know, is keyed into. I think in the queer community, it's uh, a little bit more accepted, at least in some queer communities. I won't generalize there because that's definitely not the case. But, um, you know, some communities totally are keyed into um, and and support breaking down the binary. And a lot of folks don't, don't get it. Um, but in our house and in our life, you know, this is, this is where we go. Um, and, you know, as Nova continues to grow and evolve and figure out who they are, we'll grow and evolve and figure that out too. Yeah. And I wonder what the difference is between just socially, um, between Chicago where you are and kind of rural Northwest Ohio where I am, I'm in a very conservative area. And, um, I know that this podcast, we talk about a lot of things that are considered extremely controversial (laughs) here. And um, even for me, like I, I think I have a lot to learn about this because I was dedicated to making sure that my kids were growing up knowing that they were free to be who they are. But after listening to what you're saying, I can see that I have a long way to go on making sure that they know that they are free to be who they are on the spectrum and it doesn't have to be this or that it can be you take a little bit from here and a little bit from there and um yeah i think in northwest ohio this is definitely um a new concept that is difficult for even even those of us who want to be open to it it's kind of difficult for us to wrap our heads around it because we just have no experience with it we just have not been exposed to that yet so this is a great conversation I'm so glad that we're talking about this absolutely so how is Nova doing would you like to give us an update on her health and um, I'd like to hear also how you're doing how you're managing being a special needs mom Um, all of that Yeah. Um, Nova is doing great. Um, You know, they're five years old now and um, talking, um, walking, they have lifelong disabilities. Hydrocephalus is something that doesn't go away. Um, They have a VP shunt, which is a permanent device that helps drain their extra um, cerebral spinal fluid um, that doesn't drain on its own. They have cerebral palsy, which is a very common um, co-occurring disorder with somebody that's had a traumatic brain injury. Um, And then some motor delays and difficulties and seizures, things that go along with their uh, other disabilities. Um, So we're busy. We are busy people between doctor's appointments and specialist appointments and physical therapy and occupational therapy um, outside of, you know, regular work and school day. Um, We stay busy with that, but Noah's doing great. You know, we were told that they would never walk or talk, um, that they would be sickly. And at one point that we should just take them off of life support because the most humane thing to do was to just let them die. Um, oh my goodness. 
We're thrilled every day. Um, you know, and aside from that, Nova is one of the most charming, hilarious, insightful people that I've ever met. Um, you know, not just being my own kid, but just being a, a person that I get to talk to on a daily basis. Um, so they're, they're good. Um, and, and we're good, you know, it's, there's a part early on when you're managing life with a kiddo with special needs where it feels overwhelming. And um, I have a, a friend who has preemie twins with medical needs right now. And, you know, she said the other day, when does this get easier? I don't feel I can do this anymore. And I said, I don't think it ever gets easier, but it gets different. You don't feel like you're drowning anymore. You somehow find the extra hours in the day and the line items on your schedule and the money in your bank account to make it all happen. You just do. Mm -hmm. uh, you just, you know, if you, if you release yourself to just parenting this child for who they are, that is. Um, and it's, it's been a good journey. You know, it's been a different journey than I ever anticipated I would be on as a parent. Um, but it is, what it is. And, and I'm so grateful for, you know, who my kids are and, and what they have. So yeah, so Nova's doing well. Um, well, we're getting ready to find schools and transition to kindergarten enrollment. Oh, um, exciting. A fun milestone, but again, a milestone, you know, that is different. You don't just mm -hmm. go to kindergarten and sign them up. You have nope. and therapy meetings and yeah. And there's a lot of advocacy. Um, but yes. you know, if there's one thing I have to thank my children for, it's for giving me a voice. Um, you know, I used to be a fairly shy person who was content to keep a lot to myself. Um, and they have taught me to shout and advocate and support in ways that I wouldn't have otherwise. So, um, yeah, so we're just doing the thing. And uh, some days it's exhausting, and some days it's tearful, and some days. I do scream, why isn't this just easy? Why can't I just, you know, check the box and and move on? Um, but most days it's none of that. It just it just is. And you are putting it out there for everyone else to see. And I think that's such a brave thing to do and so valuable for I'm a special needs mom also. Yeah. Um, my daughter has autism. And um you know, I, I look at your struggle and I honestly think, what am I complaining about? I mean, if you can do this, I think you have more on your plate than I do. You know, if you can do this, then I can do it too. And I think a lot of people feel that way. And um, I'm just so I'm grateful that there are people out there who have gone beyond their shyness. I used to be shy too. And I attribute a lot of um, my I guess, coming out of this <laughs> to my daughter as well. And um, I think we need to be a community for each other and keep, keep being real and transparent. And you are doing such a good job of that. It's so easy to feel like we're on islands of one when things are difficult. I think mm -hmm. that's somewhat ingrained in us as mothers, you know, parenthood can be a very isolating time and a very, isolating season. So I think it's really important to just raise our voices and share our stories and let others know that they aren't alone. Absolutely. So can you tell us how people can reach out to you personally, how they can connect with you on social media and all of that good stuff? 
Absolutely. Um, so my primary website is just my name. Um, actually, there's a shortened version of it now, which is Ashley D. It's A-S-H-L-E-E-D.com. And that's kind of my hub that will take you to all my contact info and all of my work, my private photography and uh, production and speaking work, as well as links to Fourth Trimester Bodies Project. And um, on Facebook and Instagram, my personal accounts um, that are, for the most part, open to the public are at Ashley D. Wells. And uh, we're at fourth, the number four, TH, Tri Bodies, um, fourth Tri Bodies at um, both Instagram and Facebook as well. Cool. And I know that you are organizing some, what do you call them? Are they photo shoots or? um... Yeah, so we do private photo shoots and then we do gatherings and photo shoots, which are just kind of group share sessions and then photo shoots as well. Um, So I currently have my 2018 schedule open. And uh, I think we currently have 12 cities on for this year. We'll be adding some more as well all over the U.S. and uh, have at least one stop up in Canada and are trying to get down um, to Mexico this year as well. Cool. So I encourage everybody to check out Fourth Trimester Bodies Project. It's very cool and it gets cooler all the time. And um, get to one of those meets if you can, if if you want to have your picture taken. I, I've been debating about it for a while and maybe I'll do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Join us. You're always welcome. I would love to do that sometime. Well, thank you so much. I know you have another appointment to get to, so I'm going to let you go so you can do that. But I just want to thank you again for the time you have spent and um, allowing me to be persistent on getting you on the schedule to be here and all of that. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me and thanks for um, being diligent. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. Thanks for listening to the Thrive Tribe 419 podcast. Do you know someone who could benefit from the information you just heard? Share the love by sharing this episode. Want to connect online? Check out thrivetribe419.com to leave a review or check out more episodes. You can also join the conversation by searching for Thrive Tribe 419 on Facebook or Instagram. See you next time. Keep thriving.